Live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios, you're listening to The Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Alongside former UW Athletic Director Pat Richter, here's Alex Strofe. It is another week and the final edition of the Pat Richter Show right here at 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. I'm Alex Strofe with you live from the ESPN Madison studio. As always, and for one final time, joined by the legend, the former All-American at the University of Wisconsin, the longtime athletic director, the three-sport athlete, the former NFL receiver. He is the man and the legend. He is the great Pat Richter, Pat, uh, as always, appreciate the time, but uh, the time has come to, uh, to to bring this show to an end. How are you doing, my friend? Doing fine. I think uh, the thing that's really a surprise when we start talking about how long we've been doing this is maybe somebody else knows out there. We kind of guesstimate that it may be 15 years, but it's certainly gone fast. It's been a great experience. And with you guys, going back to Bill Johnson and Jim Rutledge and yourself, it's been a great ride. And... Uh, Kind of put you to the test. You got to do a little bit of homework every now and then. And uh, <laughs> but it's when I first got into this, I thought, what in the world? And they said, well, we want to do not 15 minutes or 10 minutes. We want to do an hour show. And I thought, oh boy, how are you going <laughs> to how are you going to fill an hour's worth of stuff with that? And then of course you realize there's commercials in here, of course, but uh, somebody's got to pay the bill. And uh, and so then it got pared down a little bit less than an hour and. And uh, then it really was, well, now we're going to talk about, well, it seems like everybody's uh, is never, never last, lost for uh, topics. Somebody's right. going to do something stupid every week and, <laughs> and or something good, but that way both, uh, both sides of the coin. But uh, it's been a great ride and a great run. Appreciate you being around and uh, good to have you back for the last show. Yeah, I'm, I'm back from vacation. We couldn't let uh, Jesse Nelson get the final word with you, uh, who I appreciate filling in last week here on the Pat Richter Show. But, Pat, when you say, uh, and we'll reflect a little bit more later, but, uh, you know, when you say somebody does something stupid every week, I will never forget the first time I ever hosted the show with you. I was filling in for Jim Rutledge oh, about two years ago now, and uh, Devin Williams, the Brewers pitcher, punched a wall while we were on the air and broke his hand and was out for the playoffs. And uh, that was the first time that I had hosted the show was somebody doing something stupid so I, I, I love that that's what you had to say we'll talk Brewers a little bit later as they are off to a really fun start with their young core but let's start uh, let's start in the world of Badgers hoops Pat as uh, some big news this week as Tyler Wall has announced he will return for a fifth season which makes it appear Pat the Badgers are running it back essentially they expect to have the entirety of their starting five back. The only change is is Jordan Davis. He's uh, transferring out. They bring in Josh Reynolds from the University of Wyoming, who scored a, or averaged over 14 points a game for Wyoming this past season. But the starting five expected to be the same as Tyler Wall has announced he'll return to the University of Wisconsin. Pat, that's exciting news for Badgers Hoops fans. Well, it is, and I think that it really is uh, a little bit of a caveat and hopefully coming back as the uh, first 12 or 15 games of the season type of Tyler Wall. We don't want the one that was a little later on. We got injured and really had a difficult time recovering, and I think that uh, you know it's always good to have the benefit of senior leadership, and here you got a little bit of kind of senior plus, and, 
and I think he's got something to prove. I don't think he'd like to end his career on that note, that, uh, not qualifying for the NCAA in the first time. And and uh, just I think that he probably was unhappy with his play, and certainly some of that probably has to do with the injury. You know, ankle sprains are probably the worst injury a basketball player can have. And, and it was just uh, the chemistry was working so well that it's – that it's kind of a luxury to have the guys uh, healthy, and uh, hopefully Stephen Crowell will beef up a little bit and get a little more meat on him. And and I would expect there's probably going to be still some uh, cherry picking uh, with respect to uh, the uh, the portal, the transfer portal. There's probably still yeah. some action in there, and who knows where that's going to come. And but uh, I think that it's uh, it's something going to be very very picky in terms of what they're thinking of doing and not uh, getting out in front of themselves. They don't want to mess up anything with respect to the, uh, the locker room and uh, in that regard. And uh, But I think that they probably are very unhappy with the way things ended up, and it's good to see everybody's kind of packing it in with respect to showing what they can do and uh, get back in an NCAA tournament. Yeah, and that's obviously going to be the goal at the very least for Greg Gard's group next year, Pat. But it's, it's funny as we talk about, you know, you've done this for 15 years, this radio show, Pat. Did you ever think we'd get to a point where the first answer you're giving sports-related uh, involves both NIL and the transfer portal? <laughs> well, that's a good point. You know, the things have really changed a great deal, and it's uh, it, it, I, I just kind of noticed in the Masters is uh, amateur Sam Bennett. Yeah, and uh, I wonder how that bumps up the being an amateur in golf, and with respect to the nil, he's if he's still in college at Texas A&M, whether or not uh, you know he's got ping and uh, some other uh, sponsorships on his shirts, and whether or not that takes precedent. That's an interesting question, and thought you bring it up with regards to does that make a difference in terms of the NCAA, because a, a golfer. Certainly, is their value in terms of the Masters. He's an amateur, and I think that the I think the, the wording is, is I can't have prize money, but I think with respect to obviously there's uh, sponsorships and things like this that the NCAA can't get involved in. So I'd be interesting. Maybe somebody ought to ask that question to him, saying what what yeah. uh, what is this being uh, beneficial to you in terms of being the Masters and what kind of lucrative deals have you signed with respect to being at your school or maybe you'll just forget about it and not uh, get into the answer business and just say I'm going to turn pro anyway so yeah if he does well in the masters he may turn pro it may be a moot point but uh interesting question because now it seems like it's opened the door to all that stuff yeah golf's obviously you know kind of a different sport in regards to you know when you look at football players and basketball players and we'll talk maybe a little caitlin clark uh, from iowa here in a minute but i i think it's fascinating to see you know golf if you turn pro you made it you'll make more money that way but that's probably one of the few sports where if you're actually incredibly successful you can go make more money uh you know consistently whereas you know football's never a guarantee same with basketball and and you know when you bring up somebody like caitlin clark at iowa who's going to fork in so much money next year uh, in her senior season at iowa she's going to make a lot more money in college than she will in wnba which i i assume she'll probably play in so it's uh it's it's fascinating and it's been really fun because uh, i took over the show right when nil 
uh, you know, got implemented. And it's been fun to see how it evolves and, and uh, you know, all the different rules that they try to put in place and the different rulings that have come down over the course. But it is it is evolving. It is it is evolving uh, very, very quick. But, Pat, back on the bat. Well, you know, oh, you raise a good point there, uh, uh, Alex, because I think what no anybody's asked the question whether or not uh, Tyler Wall has – inked any kind of a deal for the future, not knowing that he's coming back, whether or not he's uh, he's gotten any kind of uh, deals inside uh, with respect to nil as well. I mean, because, you know, he's got to prove himself worthy, and it's, a, it's a kind of an intermediate step, not getting paid uh, full salary, things like this in the G Leagues and things like that. But it's made you know, lucrative. You know, he says, well, I may give it another shot if I can – you know, hit the hit the home run and maybe show people I'm much better than I finished up with when I'm healthy. That he's going to make a good deal of money and uh, give himself a little bit of a start with regards to uh, the future, regardless of whether he plays pro ball or not. Yeah, I, I, Tyler Wall is actually one of the Badgers that's doing the best in terms of NIL, right? I know he's got done uh, at least two social deals with Mountain Dew and Mueller Sports Medicine. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's fascinating to see, even right here in our, in our backyard at UW, how, how quickly that is that has become, you know, a big reasoning, right? Tyler Wall, no disrespect, he's a fascinating and a, and a very good college basketball player, but probably not NBA material. So to see the money he can make now and, you know, make money by returning for a fifth season rather than playing overseas, it changes the mindset. It changes maybe what players would do five years ago to now, and it's crazy to see how quickly it's evolved, but it does provide uh, provide opportunities. Now, on the transfer portal, which you mentioned a little bit ago, Pat, uh, they, they go out and they get a guy by the name of Noah Reynolds from the University of Wyoming. Uh, averaged over 14 points per game for uh, the Cowboys last year. Uh, had an injury, a concussion at the end of the year, so he missed uh, the last couple games for Wyoming. But he comes over. He'll take J- uh, Jordan Davis's scholarship, who who announced he was hitting the transfer portal. The only Badger so far that's announced that since the end of the season in the NIT uh, about a week and a half ago now. But uh, they're hitting the transfer portal early, Pat, and that's that's something that's that's changed over the course of the last few years. But hopefully, it provides a good spark. Well, it seems like it's uh, emphasized more or less the former Wisconsin high school athletes that have gone to other places for whatever reason. Either they weren't uh, developed uh, to the point where the Badgers recruited them or they didn't, uh, didn't reach out, but they've been very good uh, players in the, uh, in the college ranks. And, uh, and so that, there's a couple of people in there that uh, might be kind of people to look at in terms of what's coming on and whether or not Tyler Wall coming back will will hurt that, you know, it's another story. Whether, I mean, is there someone out there you can get to the sophomore saying I would have come back to Wisconsin, and uh, and finish out my career with two or three years, and now with Tyler Wall coming back, eh, I'm not so sure. And so, it could be a two-edged sword, I suppose. But you better make sure that you get the bird in the hand first. Uh, with Tyler Wall, I think you know what you're going to get and uh, knows the system and everything else. And certainly a year older and wiser and showing the differentiation between what it was like when he was healthy and what it was like when he was not healthy, I think is a, is a good learning experience. And so he'll, uh, he should benefit from that. And I think that everybody will benefit from him because they, they have an idea of what he's like and what he's, you know what he is passing abilities and stealing the ball and things like this yeah. and it's comfort level for the 
rest of the team, but he certainly still needs the depth, and that's uh, that's hard to get on the on the transfer portal. There's someone willing to take a shot and just to give it a you know you know a chance in terms of hitting uh, hitting it right, and somebody getting hurt and getting slipping in the lineup because the point is you have 17. I think 1,700 athletes that are in the transfer portal right now, and it's just hard to believe. You can have it seems like it's every every basketball player at every school, <laughs> and, and certainly in the Power Fives and and, uh, and the rest of the conferences. But it's it just is not enough spots for everybody. Let's put it that way. No, there's not. And I think for a guy like like Jordan Davis on his way out, I'm intrigued to see where he ends up. Right? I mean, he could be. I don't know if he's a power six guy in college basketball, if he's one of the power six conferences, if it's a mid-major, if it's even D1. I'm fascinated to see uh, where he'll end up because you're right. The transfer part, we've talked about this pretty much at the end of every football and basketball season. It seems like a third of the players enter the portal. And as you said, Pat, there's not a spot for everyone. So it's it's always interesting to see you know, where people end up if they end up anywhere at all. I remember, you know, a couple months back we were talking at the end of the football season about the portal and obviously Luke Fickle heading into his first year was hitting it hard for the Badgers. But we will see. It's uh, it's always fun to see how it plays out. But at the end of the day, there will be a basketball season. It's just still about seven months uh, away. I mean, there's a lot of risk involved because if you would say, well, I'm going to go in the transfer portal, I mean, you basically have cut your your safe you know, lifeline, so to speak, at the school. Certainly, he's done it at Wisconsin because you have to make a move and take the scholarship and and then make sure that there's something available. And so, it's not one of the kind of things where you can just change your mind. Say, well, no, I don't want to come back. It's a lot different than the pros with the quarterbacks. If put it that way. No doubt about it. couple of national champions crowned earlier in the week. LSU in the women's basketball side and on the men's basketball side. It's the University of Connecticut for the fifth time in the last 25 years. We will talk about those games uh, next. And we'll probably continue to talk a little name image likeness with Caitlin Clark from Iowa. That's all still ahead. It's the finale of the Pat Richter Show right here on ESPN Madison. Rolling on, it is the Pat Richter Show finale here on ESPN Madison. I'm Alex Strofe with you from the ESPN Madison studio, as always. Joined by former UW Athletic Director and Madison, Wisconsin legend, the great Pat Richter with me. And Pat, uh, the March Madness has come to an end, and we have two national champions on both the women's and men's side. On the women's side, LSU topping Iowa last week Sunday in the national championship game. It got a little chippy, but it was a fun one. And then on Monday night, the University of Connecticut beating San Diego State to end their dominant uh, stretch in the NCAA tournament, winning big time and winning their fifth championship in the last 25 years. Before we really dive into any of the games or the NIL aspects of, of national championships, I'm curious on your opinion on something, Pat. Uh, we talk often about blue bloods in college basketball. Is it safe to say that Connecticut has solidified their blue blood status on the men's side of things? You know, you'd have to say that, and uh, you'd be right, but. Uh, It'd be pretty hard to have all the Carolinians and everybody else accept it, I suppose, or Dukes. And, <laughs> I mean, it's been a while for Duke, and, uh, excuse me, Kentucky, and uh, uh, to be a, a player in that regard. Yep. Maybe it goes back to when we were playing them in the, in the semifinals. I believe you're correct, yeah. And 
I think that the uh, that there's a big gap, you know, between some of the other teams. But I think that this the portal, uh, I don't, I can say it without saying that they necessarily happened to Kentucky or Connecticut and whatever. But it's going to bound to a change of the scene for a lot of people. I saw that just there was a, a transfer or portal opening for Creighton when their guard is leaving. And so it's going to make a lot of changes. But I think that this uh, Bobby Hurley did a great job. I think that uh, Jim Calhoun before him did a great job. Uh, there's a certain mystique up in that Big East. I think they figured that they can win the championship and get in the tournament every year because of maybe they're not necessarily strong. But of course, you got Marquette coming up now and uh, Shaka Smart being coach of the year. But I think that uh, Kentucky is uh, is kind of a little bit slipping a long, long ways, and uh, Duke is going to be, uh, I think, power with uh, Shire and uh, Carolina. They they thought that they would be a a player, the blue blood player this year, with regards to Backout uh, coming back, yeah. and that just didn't work out. He came back for for nil purposes, and. Uh, Apparently he was driving a big fancy car down on campus with sure uh, the uh, North Carolina Blue, but it didn't do much for winning games, I suppose, in the tournament. So uh, I think that this uh, transfer portal is going to change things a great deal and opportunities are there. And uh, and I think that this whole business of one and done, you know, is not uh, necessarily the the mantra anymore. And I think it's a different breed of coaches and the, and they're young and energetic. Uh, Hurley's an exciting guy, and uh, <clears throat> and so I think that there's going to be a lot of movement around the uh, coaches as well as teams. Is going to make a big difference in the league, and uh, I think we're we're in for something like this that happened this year every year in the tournament now because there's an opportunity to knock somebody off FAU. It was just kind of a shame because I think they might have been a, made a better game of it. Than uh, San Diego State, but it just didn't happen this year. No, I, I'm with you on that, and and I think you're right, right? I mean, seeing what what was it? I think UConn was a four, Miami and uh, San Diego State were both fives, and FAU was a nine seed. I don't know if that's going to be abnormal anymore. I, I think, yeah, it was super odd not having a one, two, or three seed in the final four, but. I don't know. With with the, I think you're right with the transfer portal and the different coaches, and and it seems like times are changing a little bit in college basketball. But the tournament, in my opinion, and I don't know that this is the popular opinion, but I think the tournament is still as fun as ever, still as much parody as ever, and I I, I had a blast with it. Uh, but I'm I'm kind of a college basketball diehard, so I don't know if the if the casual fans, which which aren't either you or me, Pat, but you know, if well, if, you if, hit a you hit a good right. point there, Alex. It, good point you made with respect to coaches and we don't think of that so much but you knew that uh, when Farley Dickinson made a good little run in the tournament that person was going to get snapped up and bingo first time is they going to be able yes he's gone and, uh, and the, the ripple effect of St. John's and Iona with yep. Patino yeah. and he's now got a better job and Dusty May it was probably not for long you know at uh at the uh, school, and, and so South so, uh, the president or uh, San Diego State is looks pretty solid with Dutcher. Yeah. But uh, the coaches uh, bring them along, and so that's going to be an interesting dynamic in terms of saying, well, is it 
question of the school and recruiting. How much does the coach really uh, benefit by by the run at the tournament versus uh, having a long-standing program that's a good school, etc., and things like this? So it's constantly changing, and I think that's a big, good point in terms of not only the players but the nil and portal and everything else. It's going to be a big change in uh, in, the, in the tournament, and I think that being a of the bracketologist and things like this is going to be a tougher game all along. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And it seems like the Final Four, at least on the men's side, lacked star power. But the women's side absolutely had it, right? And Caitlin Clark, in my opinion, Pat, I think she's the biggest college basketball star we've had since Zion Williamson, regardless of gender. Um, she is, you know, if you look at the TV ratings, everybody was tuning in to the women's Final Four. They smashed every record they've ever had um, in terms of, of viewership and, and time people watched and, and, and et cetera. But Caitlin Clark from Iowa, Pat, I mean, she is a superstar in the modern era of name image likeness. Uh, and and she, she truly pulled in the ratings and, and uh, put on a show throughout the women's tournament. Did, were you able to catch a couple of C- Caitlin Clark and Iowa games? It did, and it was amazing. It's kind of first thing you start talking about women's basketball, how far it's come in terms of it used to be not necessarily when I started in athletics uh, back in uh, 1990, but the women's basketball, you'd have to take a dribble, and then you could, you could run a step or two and take another dribble. It wasn't continuous dribbling. It just changed so dramatically. But the thing about it is that uh, I just marvel at the fact that you're so accurate with a basketball that's slightly smaller. I'm not sure whether it's an inch in total uh, diameter yeah, in I think terms that's about of something right. like that. And uh, she can just turn on a dime and fire that thing up there, and it swishes every time. And so, and she and she's quick, and so she can. If she if you come out and try to guard her on the three-point play, she'll go right by you, and she'll take about half the court to, to take a drive to the basket and she does the Chucky Hepburn business kind of keeping the <laughs> arm down holding the person off and lifting it up with one hand and so but she's uh, dramatic and she kind of got brought into that skerfuffle in terms of uh, the things that post game yeah. uh, antics and things like this but uh, that's competitive that's the one thing I've really uh Recognized, and I, I guess I was a little bit of surprised initially, but it's something I saw at the university, is that the women, in some respects, are even more intense and competitive than the men. It's really? just, uh, uh, it's incredible, and, uh, and and it used to be that they, they were from a discipline standpoint, they would, uh, if you had one point lead, there was no holding back. We're just going to keep running up and keep it going. And, <laughs> Maybe make it a three-point lead or a four-point lead, and uh, and it was uh, something that you never protected one-point lead. That's what made it so exciting, and I think that a lot of the South Carolina and of course Kim Mulkey, the coach uh, at uh, LSU, see, yeah. with that outfit, I, I think that uh, she maybe started a trend. I'm not sure you can see it with regards to men's basketball, but <laughs> I mean that had to be a, a real sparkler and kind of a detraction distraction on the sidelines and so it almost remind me of the the helmets that Oregon wore at the Rose Bowl. It was <laughs> shiny and you but that was uh it was exciting and uh, that they uh you know got I think a little bit of traction with with regards to attendance and things like this and certainly from a personal standpoint, Galen Clark is gonna cash in on the nil 
And uh, if you're, uh, you know, somebody looking for a representative and you can find name recognition, I think you probably could find Caitlin Clark right at the top of the list. And so it's not going to be a hard sell for her. It's going to be a question of picking and choosing which are the best opportunities for her in in the going forward. Absolutely. You're right about that. And I think she'll probably be near the top of the list next year in terms of Neil Earners. Uh, if she isn't already, I haven't looked recently at, the, at an updated list, but she'll be uh, right up there. Now, Pat, you mentioned Kim Mulkey's outfits. I'm, I'm curious, what do you have in your closet? Do you have anything near anything she's ever worn, uh, considering everything she wears is, is shiny and, and vibrant and, and, and so out there? Could you do a, a Kim Mulkey-inspired outfit? There's nothing even comes close to that in my closet, and nothing comes close to that in my wife's closet. Let's put it that way. Even if we mix and match, we got nothing. No, I mean I, uh, I, I thought sequins went out a long time ago, but uh, <laughs> it reminds, it did remind me with the kind of those tiger stripes and things like this when we, uh, those are the Redskins we played uh, down at uh, in Ohio, and uh, probably the high, high school. I won't name it, but the place, high school of that country that's the Mass in Ohio, and uh, they have the kind of like the Bengals uh, uh, moniker for the mascot, and okay. and their blazers, and they they actually had they gave a coach a car, and it had the, the tiger stripes on the whole hood of the car and the back end. It was just totally a tiger stripes in the whole car and. Uh, and it was uh, one of those things where you were kind of a risk, high risk, high reward because they give you the car and very striped, painted, striped up. I asked him, I said, well, what's the, what's the worst record you've had here? He said, well, we don't talk about it much. It was maybe 500 season, and they went out the night uh, they lost the last game, and they took the car right away from the coach, and, and that's how they do things in Ohio, and that's how serious it is. But, but they, I guess when they... Uh, She's probably had a lot of calls from from the Cincinnati Bengals uh, dance squad or whatever to get that kind of an outfit. But <laughs> it certainly was. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a little distracting, and so. But nobody said anything about it. But it was uh, it was interesting to say the least. Oh man, that's a great story. Uh, that is that is awesome. Yeah, she is. She's out there. But three titles for her now. Two at Baylor, or excuse me, four titles for her now. Three at Baylor, and now a she's fourth. intense. Man, she is. Know. She's a damn good coach too, Pat. I mean, uh, it's 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 always fascinating to see the different personalities of coaches and how it leads to success. And she is uh, certainly intense. And uh, her outfits are always well. That always one, out there. you know, Alex, you t- we're talking about the nil and transfer portal, and everything else. I mean that's the extreme example, and I guess it's uh, it's up to the coach to be able to put it together. I mean she said offhand, this is a lot of these players are a little bit tough to handle, and people don't want to take a, take that on. Yeah, I don't mind that a bit. And I think she said that they had nine transfers in the roster, and so I think that that, as far as I'm concerned, is, is a high water mark. But it says an awful lot about the coach to take, take nine people bring them in from the year before when it wasn't very successful and win the national championship. And uh, so I think that that may heat up the transfer portal on the women's side, maybe even more than the men. I, that's actually a really good point, Pat, that I hadn't thought of, right? Because as I mentioned, this was only year two for her at LSU. And you're, you're right. I think the number was nine 
transfers uh, from all over the country, and she puts them together, and, and they're winning a national title. Now, obviously, they caught some breaks, but they won all the games that were in front of them, um, and they were able to to cash in on a national championship. But that's a, that's a really good point. The transfer portal and name image likeness seems to be the, the theme of the Pat Richter Show here over the course of the last two years uh, that I've been hosting. And it is the Pat Richter Show finale. We will talk... Uh, well, we always call Pat the biggest Brewers fan at ESPN Wisconsin. So our last show, we have to talk Brewers. We'll do that next. It's the Pat Richter Show, the finale edition right here on ESPN Madison. Continuing our conversation here on the finale of the Pat Richter Show. I'm Alex Strofe with you from the ESPN Madison studio, as always, joined by former UW Athletic Director Pat Richter here on 100.5 ESPN. And Pat, uh, the Brewers season is underway, and holy smokes, are they exciting. They have that fun young core of, of Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, Bryce Terang, and etc., uh, really great addition, and I'm not talking about the broadcaster and Brian Anderson. Uh, the Brewers are off to a really hot start, and they are uh, maybe more energized than than they have been since I don't know 2011. What a fun group they put together this year! I tell you what, that's really uh, you know I was thinking about that because for, for the last number of years they've always brought in you know from Mustakas and Wong and McCutcheon and players with a lot of experience to play and and it just seemed like it almost kind of worn itself out in terms of uh, what the impact is is in, on the team and it just was good you know for a short period of time and then just got it kind of phased out and uh i tuned in and got the clips on the uh the met series and especially with respect to max scherzer here you got their ace like that, and these guys are fearless up to bat against him. And they get a back-to-back-to-back home run in one inning and then a back-to-back home runs in the next inning. They just seem like they're having a lot of fun with the, the cheese head and, uh, uh, and having a great time. And, you know, it's just nice to see a bunch like that uh, play well. And, and you look at this roster, and, you got, sure, you've got uh, Adamas and uh, you've got Yelich, and uh, that's about it. We're out to Les at first base. And uh, and so now it just seems like Burns got back on track after losing the Cubs. But uh, once you get that straightened out and maybe get him settled down after his uh, arbitration, maybe then he'll, he'll be the team or the player he was. But if looked very good the other night. He did. Now the test will be seeing that uh, they, they've got a good start against uh, the Cardinals. We'll have a couple of the games in the bag by the time this show's on. I guess one game and tonight, as uh, we tape on Friday. And that would be the kind of the high watermark in terms of seeing what's going on because they've always been a killer with Goldschmidt and uh, right. Wainwright. And so I think that... Uh, I mean, even Peralta. Peralta looked exceptionally quick and fast, and uh, and so I think that the the mix of like that maybe goes to point up saying, okay, well we tried it one way, now let's try it the other way in terms of young, up and coming, and uh, you know they finally felt that maybe it was time to let go, uh, you know, to Keston Hira, 
we've tried him out for an awful long time. It just doesn't seem to be working consistently. Right. And uh, and it's good to see, but there's still some guys that you, you kind of hope for and that, uh, kind of uh, went on their way. And and Vogelbach is still still a favorite in terms of my way of thinking. <laughs> and, uh, to see him going into second base and trying to make it a double and uh, – <laughs> And then throwing him out with a gun from Anderson is just exceptional. But uh, <laughs> that's uh, they've got a strong outfield. Hopefully Yelich is getting back on track a little bit. I mean, it's kind of sad to see him. I think he was a strikeout 11 or 12 times out of 20 or 21. Yeah. He's got a couple of hits lately. But uh, it just seems like, you know, he just he just he feels so uncomfortable because he's, he's, he's uh, taking a lot of pitches, but... For the first time, I think in a long time, he's hitting a couple of first pitches, which I think maybe is the best thing he can do. But get him on track and just uh, come along. It's going to be a very nice season. But these games that are right now, we just got to point up to him that these are just as important as uh, the last game of the season. And that's um, that's what we learned last year. And uh, right. so any win that we can bank and get get five as of going into tonight's game and Vigo Piccolo and St. Louis. The Pirates are kind of in the mix right now, but uh, I think they and the Reds usually will falter somewhere along the line, but it's going to be the Cardinals and uh, and the Cubs that are going to be the thorn for us. And, and maybe we should get them as early in the season to get them off our back and kind of ride it out in the end of the season. No, you're right about that. And hopefully uh, hopefully they don't trade, uh, I don't know, Woodruff or, or Burns at the deadline this year and kill the morale in the locker room. I think that's what's happened last year. But, hey, 5-1 and one as we record Friday morning, Pat. Uh, that's a heck of a start. For the Brewers, we'll take it, and, and they have been uh, a really exciting team. And, and you mentioned uh, Brian Anderson. Uh, he, I think he leads the league right now, and I know it's early. We're only through six games, but he leads the league in batting average, and I think he's second in RBI uh, already here early. So, uh, fun addition, uh, but the, the Brewers were getting killed in the offseason for not making any moves, and seemingly it's worked out all right, at least through six games uh, with with the young core. Maybe that, that old strategy did wear old. I think you were right about that. Yeah, the, the test uh, the test will be the second time around when you meet these teams again, seeing if anybody's adjusted and things like that. But uh, right now we've got to enjoy it. But they're having fun. They're good, to, and it's not just on the hitting side. The defensively, they're playing well, and uh, and it's just uh, giving the giving the guys like Telez and Adamas and uh, Yelich a little bit of a spark in terms of uh, these are guys that are contributing, and uh, now I'm going to have to start pulling my weight a little bit as well. And uh, it's it's a fun ride, like a couple of years ago. Yeah, you're you're certainly right, and hopefully uh, hopefully they can get a little bit further than a couple of years ago. Actually, punch their ticket to the World Series, but I can't look that far ahead. I can't crown them World Series champions uh, quite yet. We will wrap up the Pat Richter Show right after this on ESPN Madison here on the finale of the Pat Richter Show. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road. Final time, wrapping up the Pat Richter Show here on ESPN Madison. I'm Alex Strope with you from the ESPN Madison studio. Joined, of course, by former UW Athletic Director, the three-sport athlete, All-American at the University of Wisconsin, longtime NFL wide receiver in Washington, Madison East High School legend. He is 
the great Pat Richter. And Pat, uh, it's been, as, as we said at the beginning of the show, 15 years uh, that you've been working here at, at uh, you know, ESPN Madison doing a weekly show with us or making weekly appearances. We were talking off the air, uh, trying to name all of your co-hosts. So I think we had, uh, you did your weekly shows with, uh, weekly segments, I should say, with, with Steve the Homer True uh, from 94.5 ESPN Milwaukee. Uh, I know you did some work with with our CEO and founder Craig Karmazin. Uh, we've got who Bill Johnson and, and of course Jim Rutledge, who who I came after, and uh, of course me. And there's probably plenty of others I'm missing. Right? There's the appearances on Wildey and Tausch. Uh, what what sticks out to you over over this uh, long tenure, Pat? I mean, what what are some of the memories? Maybe some of the stories you talked about. Maybe some of the stories you shared. What what sticks out over this tenure? Well, I'll tell you what, it's one of the things that we were thinking about is, is it, uh, has Aaron been out looking for another team for that many, many years? I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, it's been the glue that's really kind of kept it together. But it's, you know, I think the main thing is that uh, I really gave a lot of credit to you and Jim and Bill and things like that because, I mean, it's it's a lot easier to sit there and to respond to what you're thinking of because you guys are in this for business and you're in it for what's happening on a daily basis and uh, responding to your questions, that's, that's where it really starts. And so I appreciate that very much. It uh, makes it a lot easier in that regard because uh, certainly when you're in, not re- in business and college athletics and things like this and retired, you're not involved on a day-to-day basis. So it's, it's some, you got to have the feel for what's important, what is what's changed and what's in the mind of people in the audience. And I think that the main thing is that there have been a lot of people who come up and say they really enjoy the show and I think they enjoy the the talking. Maybe they don't like the questions so much. That's maybe <laughs> why they like it. And they can take opinions one way or the other in terms of whether we think we're right or wrong. So we haven't had too many criticisms, put it that way. Well, you know what you're talking about, and sometimes I don't. But uh, that, that's that's why we keep that's why we keep asking you the questions, Pat, because you you've got the inside knowledge. But you know, looking back, you, you retired as an athletic director 19 years ago, 2004, and so much has changed in college athletics as we were talking about earlier, right? With name, image, likeness, and the transfer portals, and and uh, this and that's right all the time. The television rights, I mean, down to pretty much every detail. Has changed a lot, but you're still as you're not giving yourself enough credit, Pat, because you're still as plugged in as anybody. It seems reading up on the NIL or, or watching the Brewers games or watching the Badgers basketball games, you don't really miss much, Pat. So you're you're not giving yourself enough credit, I don't think. Well, I tell you what, it's been a, it's fun to watch things like when they're going well. Now, I think the thing that uh, looking forward to is what Mike Hastings can do with hockey. That'll give us an opportunity, but. Chris has uh, made some changes and things like this, and the expectations have gone a little bit higher. And uh, I think you realize when the change with the UCLA and USC coming into the Big Ten is going to spark a little bit of interest, I think, in some respects, especially football and basketball. And and I think that those things have been kind of fun to watch just in terms of the evolution of the Big Ten with Jim Delaney figuring that he was all – Everything he did just kind of turned to gold with respect to the television package and things like this. And I think in that regard, that makes it, make it a lot easier because that was always an issue was the question, Twain, where are you going to get your next dollar in terms of making sure the budgets meet and things like this. And, and of course, that's not, there's no guarantee that that's going to continue, so you have to make sure you keep a strong product, and that's responsibility of not just the Big Ten, but the schools that make up the Big Ten is responsible for making sure that 
you have good, interesting uh, pro- programming to, uh, to make sure that you justify the, the large television package, which is kind of making everybody uh, everybody work towards the whole. And yeah. in that regard, it's a it's a big nut, and so uh, you got to pull your weight. Yeah, and you know we we obviously do a lot of reflecting. I said it's been 19 years, but you still talk about your time as an athletic director every day. I mean, that's probably a note of how successful you were, right? And just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about a coach you hired uh, that won another national championship for the University of Wisconsin. So I imagine even 19 years removed, Pat, it's still got to be pretty darn cool to see a guy like Mark Johnson, uh, who you hired, leading the women's hockey team. You've got to take a little bit, a tiny, even if it's a tiny slice, a little bit of uh, credit. And I'm sure a smile goes along with that when you see a guy you hired uh, leading to that much success. And there's there's so many other guys, right? Bo Ryan, uh, who led the team to multiple Final Fours uh, back-to-back years. Even after you were gone, a guy you hired, right? Barry Alvarez, obviously, taking over for you, uh, who you brought in and, and really revitalized and changed the direction of the football program. So reflecting and but still seeing the impact some of those guys had years later has to be has to be really neat. It really is. I think you know, hiring a coach is not a perfect science, and you, you, you see at the end of the season all the changes that are made and things don't work out for whatever reason. And uh, we've been very fortunate that the people we hired to have has continued as success and uh, just kind of stayed as long as they wanted to, maybe with the exception of one or two here and there. But uh, and I think that the. You always try to make it better and trying to make, for example, the women's program better than it has been, doing that well. And I think that the importance of hockey can't be underestimated, I think, in that regard. And that will be the next step up because, you know, Wisconsin is fortunate to have three sports that provide income more than they spend. And uh, hockey has been kind of lagging in that regard. But certainly what Mark Johnson has done kind of hits the top of the mountaintop. So, I mean, he wasn't... They didn't have the greatest year necessarily record-wise. They lost a few games here and there, but when it came crunch time to the uh, to the tournament, they just did well. A one nothing shutout it really says an awful lot, especially for Mark, who's offensive powerhouse. He's got a good defensive person there someplace, and he's uh, but he's just done a great job and kind of in the footsteps of his dad. But it was nice to see when he said the first thing he was going to do was take the trophy to show it to his mom, so she'll be so proud. Yeah. of the Johnson family, but he was in a perfect spot, and he's just the right person at the right time. And if you're a, a lady hockey player out in the country someplace, who else would you want to play for but the Mark Johnson? He's He's got a great reputation. He's a great person, success, and you, uh, you get the benefit of that, of the major championships he's won. It's uh, kind of unparalleled. No doubt about it. Well, Pat, uh, I've always, I always appreciate our conversation. I appreciate your insight. I appreciate the stories, and I've appreciated doing the show with you for the last two years. Pat, a sincere thank you, and uh, best of luck with whatever's next for you, my friend. Thanks a lot, Alex. Appreciate it. We enjoyed being with you. Right back at you. That's the great Pat Richter, and this has been the Pat Richter Show right here. If you want to go back, dive through the archives, Pat's told stories about just about anything you can think of uh, from from his time in Washington, uh, you know, playing in the NFL to to his athletic director stories, plenty of those, uh, and that's all on Wisconsin On Demand if you want to find those uh, and go back sometime because Pat, uh, he's got stories for days, and we've been telling them for years, and uh, we, we love doing it. So, Pat, uh, again, we appreciate you. This has been the Pat Richter Show, the finale of 
Edition right here on ESPN Madison.